She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Season 2. Episode 18. Fearful Symmetry. In this episode, a construction worker is killed by what seems to be a rogue elephant, except the witnesses don't see anything. But an elephant is found dead not far away. Mulder and Scully go to the local zoo that the elephant escaped from to try to piece together what's happening. Is it animal activists releasing the animals and causing mayhem? Or is something extraterrestrial going on? Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) Is it aliens? It might be aliens. Alien elephants. Oh, okay. Cool. This episode was written by Steve Dejernet. And it was directed by James Whitmore Jr. Uh-oh, pair of one and done. This is either going to be awesome or not awesome. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It's a couple of people who've never done X-Files before and apparently won't again. So yeah, see what happens. But it was filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia. And its original air date was Friday, February 24th, 1995. And a viewership of 16.5 million in the United States. So it's down 1 million from last week. So we are at Idaho Mutual Insurance Trust in Fairfield, Idaho. And it's a bank. And inside the bank, the janitorial staff are cleaning. They're mopping the floors. And one of them is smoking a cigarette and scrubbing on his hands and knees with a bucket. And the other one, who's a little bit younger dude, his name is Roberto. He's bopping around with a mop. And he's got like his little boombox there. And the first guy is like, hey, they don't pay you to dance. And he's speaking in Spanish, but we get captions telling us what he's saying and then he points the security camera and he says god is watching so roberto's like oh all right so he goes back to mopping and then the other janitor he puts a cigarette down but he puts it down tip up even though ashes fall on the floor so i'm not sure why he does that but anyway and then it starts to vibrate across the floor and it falls over and the whole building starts shaking and then they're like oh what's going on and then they walk over and the window just explodes shatters so then they run to what used to be the window and look out and they see like this car boom get hit and the windows explode and the tires crumple and then like a light pole bends in half and then across the street like this newspaper box is crushed and another car gets hit and then the other guy says like this is crazy in spanish but we don't get captions for that and then we cut to a scene where there's a bunch of road workers taking a break on their night shift and they're drinking coffee and smoking and then suddenly something starts knocking over all like the what do you call those things? The little foldy things with the lights on them. Like, hey, don't go through this. And they got a big row of them and they're getting like knocked to the side. Doom, 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 doom. And then they're like, what is that? And then whatever it is, they can't see it because it's invisible, but it comes toward them. And one of the men gets thrown in the air. And then it seems to go by, but the man is hurt bad and they run over and his face is bloody. And another one shouts to call an ambulance. And then... It's daytime and a truck driver is driving down a country road and he radios that he's going to be late because there's really bad fog. And suddenly an elephant comes marching towards him. He's like, whoa, and he slams on the brakes and he manages to stop right before the elephant gets them. And they kind of like touch like truck face and elephant face. And they're like, oh, like a little kiss. And the elephant comes around the side and looks at the dude and then walks down the road. And then later, there's a bunch of sheriff cars with sirens running down the road. And they get to this part and there's an elephant laying on its side in the middle of the road. There's a bunch of people around. And one of the kids is crying and the sheriffs get out. And then 
a little girl goes up the elephant and elephant makes some noises and it makes it sound like it's dying basically and then it's a theme song yep <laughs> and i honestly don't know what the hell is going on in this nope. and even when i find out what the hell is going on i still don't know what the hell is going on <laughs> so yeah, it's uh i don't know i don't know <laughs> So the January Smoking was played by Leno Britos, who will actually appear in four more episodes of The X-Files. Um, and then Nick did some diving. He is like uncredited in this episode, but then he's in, let's see, he's in The Blessing Way, Paperclip, Piper Maru, and this one. And I think he's credited as like Hispanic man in all four. Yeah, yeah he's credited Hispanic. He's in Blessing Way, Paperclip, Piper Maru, and Apocrypha, which are both actually multiple part episodes like blessing way goes with paperclip and piper morrow goes with apocrypha but in all four he's credited as hispanic man even though he actually has a name in the episodes he plays the same character luis cardinal so i don't know why he's credited hispanic man when he actually has a name but yeah that's not great not great no especially because like the road worker who gets killed and actually has less of a role in this episode than the two janitors do he actually does get credited by name in this episode so it's kind of <laughs> like it's kind of weird it's like is it guys. racism i don't know but anyway the construction worker also he was the assassin who got like sith strangled in lauren kite's house when he was trying to kill her that Mulder walks in and he's like hanging up from the air and then gets okay out. cool and then he's going to be in two more episodes 23 years later in season 11 oh wow yeah <laughs> So long, so, long comeback. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, deep cut. Obviously, not the same character because he died in the two episodes he's in so far. So right, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> maybe he'll die in those two. Who knows? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. What, I know. Dies I on the X Files. I didn't look to see he's in two episodes. <laughs> they're not consecutive, but they're in the same season, and I didn't see what character he's playing. So that's funny. So back at Idaho Mutual Trust. There's a ladder in front of the broken window and Scully is interviewing the two custodians and they tell her they saw nothing when the window broke. They did hear a noise kind of like thunder and then suddenly the glass exploded. So she thanks them and Mulder appears from inside and he like jumps over the ledge of the broken window and he asks what they said and she tells them they didn't see anything. And Mulder's like funny the security cameras didn't record anything either. It was like some kind of giant shockwave. And Scully says the way they described it, it was more like a sonic boom. So Mulder stands in front of a crushed car and says that a sonic boom didn't do that. And he tells her the construction worker who was killed had his spine crushed like a string of seashells, which is a fun mental image. And he has a circular abrasion on his torso, roughly the size of an elephant's foot. And the men with him felt the ground shake and they smelt a faint whiff of animal odor in the wind. And Scully's like, if you're suggesting an elephant did this, that defies logic. Someone would have seen it. And Mulder's like, if someone had seen it, we wouldn't be here. And Mulder might be willing to admit the possibility of a tornado, but it's not tornado season. He'd also consider a black hole or cosmic anomaly, but it's not really black hole season either. <laughs> and he kind of smiles and he's like, if I was a betting man, and Scully's like, an invisible elephant? And he's like... Once I saw David Copperfield make the whole Statue of Liberty disappear. So it's a cute exchange. I thought it was, I mean, they're both smiling. They're both having fun. It was just kind of a fun scene. So I liked it, but you know, it's just kind of banter. Banter. Yeah. So 
while they're bantering, someone calls Mulder's name and introduces himself as Ed Meacham, and he's from the Fairfield Zoo. And Scully asks if they've determined how the elephant died. The elephant's name was Ganesha, and she was a 12-year-old female Indian elephant. He tells her as far as he can tell, she ran herself into exhaustion. Scully asks how she escaped, and Meacham says that's the puzzle. They don't know. He expected to find her cage open, but it was locked tight with no sign of tampering. Mulder mentions he's been hearing about how some elephants lately are rebelling against their trainers and destroy their pens and asked if Ganesha had any problems like that. And Meacham says the elephants are large, willful animals. Mulder asks if that means that there were issues. And he says, well, you need to talk to Willa Ambrose about that. And she's a naturalist who was hired by the zoo board to oversee things. Mulder asks if, in Meacham's opinion, the damage on the street could have been caused by an escaped elephant. And Meacham says, sure. And then he's like, excuse me, I got to go. So then he leaves. Mm -hmm. And just so if you're watching this episode, they actually say Ganesha all the time. Uh But it should be pronounced Ganesha because obviously it's named after the Hindu god Ganesh or Ganesha. Yeah, they do say Ganesha, though. That is how they pronounce it. So, yeah. So then we are at Fairfield Zoo and Mulder and Scully find Willa Ambrose working and they introduce themselves and Scully flashes her badge and they tell her they want to ask about the construction worker who was killed as they believe the escaped elephant may have been involved. And Ambrose says she understood the witnesses didn't know how the man was killed. And Mulder says, actually, they're trying to determine how Ganesha escaped. While they're talking, they say that Meacham found the cage locked. And so Ambrose is like, well, then I don't know what else I have to say about it. And Mulder points out that a man was trampled to death and their elephant was found 43 miles away. And they're just trying to determine what happened. So she's kind of like not happy to talk to them. No. So, yeah. She doesn't want anything to do with them, you can tell. (laughs) Yeah. And Willa Ambrose is played by Jane Atkinson. And Jane Atkinson actually had a role in Free Willy and Free Willy 2, which is a little ironic given the content of this episode. She also had recurring roles on Criminal Minds, House of Cards, 24. And she's also in the 2021 series Clarice. What was her character in Free Willy and Free Willy 2? I don't know. I don't know. I think she might be either the animal trainer or the mom, but she's in both movies. So I don't know. I've never I haven't seen it. I saw it in the theater. I was really into marine biology as a kid. (laughs) Yeah. So Fairfield, Idaho is a real city. Its current population as of 2019 is actually only 519 people. Mm -hmm. Um, It was like 412 at like the 2010 census. It's the county seat and only city in Camas County, Idaho, which is weird because you think it would just be Fairfield County, but it's not Camas County. And it actually accounts for about half of the county population. So it's very rural. So in case you hadn't guessed just by the fact that it's in Idaho, the zoo is fictional, not a real zoo. Right. And they say the road crew guy was a federal employee. I don't know that there are federal road crews, but I guess that's how the FBI gets involved, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, they're like, I, we're investigating the death of a federal employee. And I'm like, he's the only one who died. So it had to be the road crew guy. Yeah, I don't know. Because most road crews are state. Yeah, because yeah, even, even if you're working on interstates, those are still state roads. Like the state is responsible for upkeep. Yeah, so, I don't know how that would work. But anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> so Ambrose shows Mulder and Scully Ganesha's cage, which is where she was held when she wasn't in her habitat. And Mulder asks who has the keys to it. And Ambrose is like, just me and Meacham. It's a restricted area. 
And Scully studies the cage and Ambrose says the elephants aren't good jumpers, if that's what you're thinking. And there's not even really anywhere to jump from it. So she's obviously just making a joke. But Scully's actually wondering why the cage is so small. And Ambrose says that the zoo was built in the 1940s and most of the habitats and cages are actually too small. And that's part of why she was brought on. Her job is to expand the animal habitats and create more humane environments for the animals. But obviously it's a process that takes time. And then Mulder asks about the chains on the floor. And Ambrose says those are tie downs that are meant to restrict the animal's movement. And as soon as Ambrose got to the zoo, one of the first things she did was like disallow the use of tie downs. So they're not supposed to be used anymore. And Meacham had been using them because Meacham is not an animal lover, really, apparently. And he has like a non-progressive zoo policy. And so he's not actually super happy with Ambrose either because Mulder asks about her relationship with Meacham and Ambrose is like, well, I'm his boss and I'm a woman. So he doesn't like that much. And Scully asks if he would let Ganesha go as an act of sabotage. And Ambrose thinks it would have been a stupid move. The zoo's already running at a deficit, and he's got his hands full with the WAO. Mulder tells us they're the Wild Again organization who believe any captive animal is a crime against nature. And obviously, the WAO is going to have a field day with this whole situation. Yeah. So then we're at construction site on Highway 24. And at the site, Kyle Lang, who is with the WAO, he is telling Mulder and Scully that keeping animals in captivity can only lead to tragedy. And the wild elephant would roam an area of 20 square miles. And Kyle compares Ganesh's cage to a person living in a pickle barrel. A little hyperbole, but okay. Yeah. And so Scully points out that Kyle has been arrested over a dozen time for activities involving the kidnapping of circus and zoo animals. He says that WAO sees his liberation. Scully asks if he was involved in the liberation of Ganesha. And Kyle says that would make him accessory to murder. And Scully kind of like, mm, yeah, it would. <laughs> She's like, yep, exactly. <laughs> and so he tells her that endangering the animals is against everything that he and the WAO believe in. And then Mulder asks what he thinks Ganesha was running from. And Kyle says, I'll show you. So um, Highway 24 actually doesn't go through Fairfield, but Highway 20 does. So, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so he shows them a video of an elephant and I think it's actually supposed to be Ganesha because the guy in the video looks like Ed Meacham and the elephant's tied down with ropes and Meacham's like using a prod on it. And Kyle says, this is how Meacham treats these animals. Mulder asks if it's still going on. And Kyle says that Meacham is barbaric. He's been torturing animals for years and eventually they'll get proof. And I'm thinking, you have this video. Like, yeah, that's not... why I thought maybe this video <laughs> wasn't Meacham. No, but it's, clear, it's clearly else. Meacham in the video though. <laughs> Because, yeah, if you have video, yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. And then there's a blonde dude with, like, short, like, kind of curly blonde hair. He's standing, like, in the side while they're talking and just kind of watching the whole thing. He's wearing, like, a little, like, army surplus jacket, and he's just kind of watching them. He's super quiet. And then Mulder asks about Ambrose, who claims that she put a stop to these practices. And Kyle says that Ambrose is too distracted by a lawsuit with the Malawi government over a gorilla named Sophie. Ambrose rescued her from a North African customs house 10 years ago and has raised her like her own child. And now the Malawi government wants her back. And so Kyle believes the lawsuit is proof of man's imperialistic evil. And Scully is like, you said she rescued the gorilla, but Kyle thinks she should have returned her to the wild and that all animals should run free. And then Scully asks, even if it means trampling a man to death? And Kyle says, well, maybe he should have gotten out of the way. And Mulder <laughs> says, well, he probably would have if he had seen it. 
So. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Kyle's kind of a douchebag, but like the whole, well, maybe you should have gotten out of the way. No, no shit. Like, obviously, <laughs> if you <laughs> if you had the option to get out of the way, I mean, come on, dude. And I, I get that Kyle's meant to be a zealot and that like we're not really meant to agree with him. But like, I just want to point out that's not how animal rescue works. Like a lot of animals taken in by aquariums and zoos can't be put out in the wild anymore because of various reasons, either because of the animal's own safety or because they don't have an environment to put them in or whatever. So you can't just like release zooing and aquarium animals and expect them to thrive in the wild. That's not how it works. Yeah. Although we will find out that basically Ambrose has been associating herself with the zoo merely as a way to house Sophie. So she's not really affiliated with anybody. She's kind of just doing this on her own. So yeah, I'm just saying that, like, that theory of, like, let's just let all the animals go. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. That's not how those things work. Yeah, so this is kind of looking a little bit like the Darkness Falls eco-terrorism episode for season two. And Kyle Lang, I wonder if he's going to fare any better than Doug Spinney. Huh. Well, so, we shall see. Yeah, because Doug Spinney was also kind of a, a zealot. Yeah, and... don't cut down any trees. Again, not how that works. Not yeah. how that works. So we shall see. I love trees. I love animals. That's just not how those things work. So Mulder and Scully leave, and Scully thinks they found their suspects. Mulder asks if she thinks they busted out the elephant. He says, what about the eyewitness accounts and the security tapes that show nothing? And Scully says that the construction site had this type of light that is known for making it hard for people to adjust their vision in the dark, and that security cameras are poor quality, and so they might not have picked up a great elephant in the dim light, which neither really credible but okay so scully thinks they might try to liberate another animal to capitalize on their success and if the zoo is in such dire straits the loss of another animal could shut them down entirely and the wao would be super happy about that so Mulder tells scully to keep an eye on the wao and he's gonna go talk to the animals so Nice. Yeah, it's this kind of stuff that just makes me not like Scully as a character because I get it, like she's supposed to be the super skeptical one, but like skepticism is not just coming up with the reasons for things you don't understand to be true. It's like you look for things and you prove them. You don't just like every time something comes up that doesn't make sense to you, you just come up with some crazy explanation that you try to say is true. Um, yeah, it's not, any, it's not any better than saying UFOs for everything, but. Yeah, that's fair. Although I do I do get the whole thing with the security cameras because I think they used to be really crappy in the 90s and I can see them not being able to pick up something dark outside. But like, yeah, the thing about the construction lights. I mean, if an elephant was charging towards you, I'm pretty sure someone would see it. it well, and the lights are shining where they're at and they can see like all the signs. Right. All the warning, you know, stay away signs. So they signs. would have like, seen that, yeah. Yeah, so it's just, okay, whatever. Yeah, totally. Whatever. But I get it. That's what she has to do. Like you've said it much times. Yeah, That's her job her on the character. show is to be the skeptic. But it's like, well, then actually be a skeptic. Don't just like th- just throw things out that offer explanations when you're not actually proving that they're explanations. You're just because then it's not right. any better than just saying something else. So, And I think some writers do it better than others. I'm not sure that this that is a great. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good yeah. example of how it maybe doesn't work. So Although, I mean, it's not like they're writing in a vacuum. We know that all the producers have fingers on the episodes. True. So, yes, yeah. they do. So then this is probably the best scene in the whole episode. I freaking love this. Uh, it is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Mulder's in a room and he has Frohickey and Byers from the Lone Gunman on a projector screen. And he has this camera facing him and it's like this chunky, like big 
webcam but it's like super old like this is it's old style like zoom and they joke around about how this is futuristic tech and buyers asks about what this is costing taxpayers and Mulder says about 150 dollars an hour and then Mulder asks where Langley is and apparently Langley has a philosophical issue with having his image bounced off a satellite so he's not going to appear on this video transmission so Mulder asks what they know about the Fairfield Zoo, and Byer says that there's a lot of strange lore about the zoo. Animals disappearing without a trace, escaping in ways that they shouldn't be able to escape. Frohickey says the town isn't far from an airbase, and it's a major UFO hotspot. And Byer says that no animal at Fairfield has ever brought a pregnancy to term. Plus, there's a gorilla there who knows sign language and supposedly has a vocabulary of over a thousand words. And then Mulder's phone rings and Frohickey's like, if that's Scully, let her know I've been working out. I'm buff now. It's like, yeah, he gets like right up in the camera, like <laughs> like all face. It's like, let her know I've been working out. I'm buff. Yeah. So. I mean, there are better ways for Mulder to have gotten this information in this episode, but this was perfect because it's so funny. And like, it's also hilarious now, just the fact that everyone's on Zoom all the time and it's not $150 an hour to see this like old style like video conferencing that they had to like wrangle together and cost a bunch of money. I thought it was really funny. Plus, it's just nice to see them. And I love that Langley's not there. So their their explanation is great too. It all works. Yes. Yeah, I mean it makes it makes zero sense for them to be doing this, but right. it is yeah. but it is one of the if not the best scene in the episode. It's one of the best yeah. scenes. And like Frohicky's sure. vest is hilarious that he's wearing <laughs> it's like it's not really gold lame but it, it it's very shiny and yeah <laughs> well you're gonna be on video you gotta dress i up. guess so and so the air base i was like oh could it be ellen's air force base in idaho from deep throat but unfortunately pro hickey says that it's actually mountain home air base so they missed another opportunity for world building yeah, that would be good if it would have been the same one. Yeah, because Ellen's Air Force Base was in southwest Idaho, and Fairfield is basically in southwest. It's kind of it's kind of in the center of the south, but it's it's technically on the west side, like if you go just off of center. So, but I do wonder if the taxpayers are paying for this call. Does that mean the lone gunmen are like in some government facility doing this video call? And if so, that would probably be why Langley's not there. That's why he's like, nope. <laughs> doing this sorry i Maybe, don't know yeah <laughs> but apparently they've got the tech in i guess there's an fbi office in idaho too in fairfield i don't know yeah but, i don't know but they managed to get it set up so that's cool yeah. <laughs> Mulder could have just gone to ask local people about the zoo but this was better so it worked whatever. yeah or he could have just got on the phone they could have got a scene of them talking on the phone but yeah because then you can still you can, you can still show them and they could be like in their little bunker and like you know fitsing around with weird stuff in the background or whatever but yeah but this was good it was it was weird but it was good so it turns out it was scully on the phone and as we will see in the scene Mulder neglects to tell scully that frohickey is buff but anyway <laughs> Scully tells him that she was right. She followed the blonde dude from the WAO to the zoo. So she's there in the trees watching the blonde guy hop the fence. And so Mulder says, he'll be right there. So she hangs up and then she follows and he goes over the fence. And so she follows and goes over it. And then he's running through the trail on the zoo and she's following him. And then he climbs a tree and hops over a wall. 
And Scully's like, are you serious? Like, because she's like in her, of course, she's got heels on and her trench coat and everything. But then someone grabs her and it's Meacham. And he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, there's a member of the WAO on the premises. So then the blonde dude, meanwhile, he's in an area with a bunch of animal cages. And it's like, like big cats, mostly. I think there's a couple of like baboons or something too, but it's mostly Mm -hmm. big cats. And he pulls out the night vision camera out of his bag. And we see Mulder arrive at the zoo and he goes up to the gate and the gate's locked. So he just like, uh and so he climbs the gate. So it's like (laughs) super easy to get in the zoo, apparently. Yeah, super high security here at Fairfield. Yeah. Real, real hard to get in. Yeah. So then the blonde guy is walking past the cages with the camera and then there's a tiger and he's starting to film the tiger and it's pacing back and forth and snarling. And then then suddenly all the animals start going crazy. The monkeys, bird, mountain lion, they all start getting riled up. Then we cut to Ambrose because she hears all the animals riled up and she turns on a light and she's in a room with Sophie, the gorilla, and she's signing the gorilla to calm down. It's okay. It's okay. So then the blonde guy is using the camera to film the tiger and then the super bright light appears and he's like, ah, and then when the light goes away, he looks and the tiger is gone. His cage is totally empty. But then he's looking around. He's like, the tiger is... But then he hears a snarl. And he's like, what is it? And then something smacks him and knocks him down. He's like, ah! And then he's like, oh, oh. And he goes to get the camera because it's laying on the ground. And then something grabs him and mauls him. And then we see the camera lens. And then we get like the camera's POV. And the camera is actually filming him being mauled by some invisible thing probably a tiger anyway commercial Ooh, invisible yeah. alien tigers yeah well probably not alien because <laughs> probably the tiger that got uh, right disappeared so. <laughs> so then there's a commercial and then we're at the wao offices and scully and some police are interviewing kyle about the incident and he claims he has no idea what she's talking about and scully's like you have no idea what your friend was doing at the zoo. And he's just like, nope, no idea. And she shows him the night vision camera wrapped in plastic because it's like bagged as evidence. And she's like, I saw this on your shelf yesterday. And he's like, I've never seen it before. And Scully tells him a tiger is missing and a man from his organization is dead. And he's showing a remarkable lack of emotion. And Kyle's like, well, if a tiger killed a person, it's a natural act. And Scully tells him that if she finds evidence the man was working under Kyle's orders, she'll make sure he spends the rest of his life behind bars. And then Mulder comes in the room and he gestures for Scully. So they go in the hall and Scully's like, that guy really pisses me off. And she asks if they found the tiger yet. And Mulder says no, but he watched the film from the kid's recorder and he wasn't killed by the tiger. And Scully's surprised, but Mulder says, unless it's trick photography, the kid was killed by some kind of phantom attacker. And Scully's like, we saw his body. He was mauled to death. He had deep claw marks on his chest and back. And Mulder can't explain it, but he might know someone who can. So I love pissed off Scully. I love when she's angry. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's too bad pissed off Scully couldn't be bothered to like watch the video from the camera before she's like talking about what's happened. But anyway, and also why is she like swinging around this camera that's evidence? And then, like, she gets mad when they leave. Mulder comes. She, like, just throws it at one of the deputies, and he catches it. And then why has Mulder got, like, the cassette from the video, like, just in his pocket and was watching it? Like, what is going on? Like, evidence. Like. (laughs) Well, I can see why she would have brought the camera to be like, is this your camera? Like, that makes sense. But, like, yeah, it's not great chain of custody. No, not at all. 
and you wouldn't need to show it. You could just tell them we have the camera. We don't need to actually show visual stuff. I realize it's TV, so you have to show everything. Yeah, but, I do, but... like, oh my god, it's like Mulder walking around with evidence in Young at Heart, and he's just like carrying around that note the whole episode. <laughs> he's got the bag, and he's just carrying it like a bag. And lunch. Yelling at people on the street, and everyone's looking at him, and it's just yeah. It's it like was okay, amazing. I love it. I love it. I mean, it's, it's all for the visuals, but sometimes yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Oh dear. So Scully and Mulder are walking through the back of the zoo looking for Ambrose. And they find her and she tells them Sherry talk to police and everything she knows. Like she doesn't want to talk to them again, right? And you know, she doesn't have anything to say. And so Mulder is asked if this is where they keep Sophie. And everybody says, Yes, but Sophie's ill. And there's actually a sign on the door that says, Sick animal, restricted area. So Mulder is asked if they can meet Sophie and adds that they're not trying to take Sophie away from her. So they apparently go into the room because they see Sophie and Sophie is rocking back and forth in her cage. And Ambrose tells them that six weeks ago, she had to take Sophie out of her public habitat because she'd become so withdrawn and depressed. Mulder asks if she had asked Sophie why she was withdrawn and depressed. And Ambrose says that Sophie had told her light afraid. And while she says that, she signs the words light afraid. I guess. I don't know. I don't no sign language yeah i so, don't know american sign language either and i don't yeah. know if they're using american sign language or yeah or they're just, just like moving hands TV, around. so i yeah. have no idea yeah so scully's like she speaks to you and everybody says yes she uses american sign language she can sign over 600 words and understands over a thousand and so scully asks if this is who Mulder wanted to speak to and Mulder says it's basic investigative procedure to interview all witnesses so scully asks why sophie would be afraid of the light and Ambrose thinks she knows that she might be taken away from her. And then Mulder sees some pictures on the wall and he asks if they're Sophie's. And Ambrose says, yes, they are. And they're like, kind of like, you know, little kid drawings kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he asks what they mean because they're kind of abstract looking. And she says a lot of them represent Sophie's desire to have a baby. And they did look for a suitable partner, but due to stressful conditions, Ambrose didn't want to put her through it. So Mulder asks if they have a veterinary facility on site which they do, and so Mulder says that he has a strange request, but it might help explain what's going on. Mulder has a strange request. I'm shocked. Yeah. Shocked and amazed. Mm-hmm. But they're going to do it. They're going <laughs> to do it. Yeah. So then we see a giant elephant corpse, and it's being opened by Ambrose, who is literally standing inside it and wearing protective gear because it's so big. And Mulder and Scully are standing on a rafter above until Ambrose tells them that the cavity is clear. And then Scully climbs down inside with her. And Mulder says he's heard there's never been a successful pregnancy at the zoo. And Ambrose thinks he's been hearing this junk from Kyle Lang, but in this case, it's actually true. She says that bringing a pregnancy to term in captivity is always difficult. And Mulder's like, but a perfect failure rate? And Ambrose knows. It's one of the things that she was determined to change when she came on board, because obviously... She wants to make the zoo a better place and maybe that will help the animals actually bring pregnancies to term if they're not so stressed out and locked in tiny cages all night, which doesn't seem like a great system. And so he asked if they ever attempted to make Ganesha and Ambrose says, no, mating an elephant out of the wild is rarely successful. And she and Scully lift the uterine tissue, but Ambrose isn't sure what Mulder expects to find. So and then they, they get out of the elephant and they move to like a lab and Scully's examining the uterine tissue under magnification and she says, Mulder's right. There are signs in the ovaries and uterus that are unmistakable. Ganesha had been pregnant at least once. And Ambrose says, that's not possible. But Mulder says, neither is an invisible elephant. 
And Mulder thinks whatever it is, it's been happening for a long time and they'll find evidence of the same thing when the tiger returns. So like the tiger will have been pregnant previously as well. And this scene is really hilarious because like inside the elephant, she's wearing protective gear. I don't think Scully is really... Um, but then well, she's got like a hairnet and goggles and like a big right. like rubber apron on. And but then when they're like looking through the microscope, both she and Ambrose have like these smears of blood on their cheeks and like they're all bloody. And I'm like, what's going on, guys? What's going on? Maybe one of them slipped inside. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we, we cut that footage out of them like like Pratt falling inside the Sli- elephant. Yeah, Pratt falling inside a dead <laughs> elephant. Super fun, yeah. great television. So with that, I, I realize it's not a real elephant, so it's not a real corpse of an elephant. But I'm like, is that elephant frozen? Because it looked like they were just like pulling chunks of styrofoam out of the elephant and like <laughs> the ribs coming out with skin well, attached you, to it. And stuff. You gotta and keep it cold to preserve it. So. I guess it looked like <laughs> yeah, it looks like styrofoam and paper mache or something. But it probably was. <laughs> Oh, dear. So then we are at Blake Towers construction site in downtown Boise, Idaho. And two construction workers are carrying a piece of lumber. That's what construction workers do. And one teases the other about betting on the chargers. <laughs> if you remember our episode on Dehan de Verlitz, that will make sense. So one of them hears a noise, but the other one doesn't. And then there's a loud roar and they both jump and their eyes are super big. So then outside the tower, there's police lights flashing and there's a crowd gathering and Meacham pulls up in the zoo van and he gets out and he's got a gun. And then he asks where the tiger is and is told it has two men trapped inside. And then Ambrose comes running up with Mulder and Scully and she tells him to put the gun away. And he asks if she wants to be responsible for another death. And she thinks they can capture it without harm to anyone. He doesn't agree, but she tells him it's an order. So he tells her to lead the way. And she's got like a tranquilizer gun, Mm -hmm. pistol. And Mulder and Scully exchange, they're kind of like, hmm, and then they follow into the building. Yeah, they exchange a look like, oof, tension, and also, ooh. <laughs> Tigers. <laughs> so Ambrose is heading through the construction site, and as Mulder and Scully follow, they wonder how the tiger could have got across town without having been spotted. And Mulder doesn't know, but they had better find it before Meacham does, because Meacham is still behind them, and he still got his shotgun. And just for clarity, Boise is 100 miles west of Fairfield. So maps are obviously not one of the X-Files strong suits because <laughs> they're like, the tiger just went across town, but they're in Boise, which it's, is like No, it miles traveled away. 100 miles with no witnesses, which is even weirder. Yeah. So really, yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't play that out. And everyone else got there too, like pretty fast. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the tiger is wandering around the site. It's not invisible. We can see it. It's wandering around the site. And the men are like on this, I guess like probably like a catwalk or something above where it's pacing around. They're watching, trying to be quiet, right? To not draw its attention. Ambrose comes around the corner and one of the men whispered down to her and really honestly scare the crap out of her. And oh. they're like, the tiger was just here. So she's like, okay. So she walks into the middle of this large room and she doesn't see anything, but we can see the tigers in the shadows. And then suddenly it runs and it lunges at her. And then she's like, ah! And we hear a gun go off and Mulder and Scully rush towards the sound and Meacham puts down his gun because he shot the tiger and Ambrose is just standing there stunned. And he's like, they don't all talk and draw pictures. And then he walks away. Yeah. So Meacham's not my favorite person in this episode either because he's kind of a dick. Yeah. It's commercial. But yeah, in, in keeping with that, like why? Okay. I could get why you would need to have a shotgun just because like 
safety, right? I mean, you would need some lethal weapon at some point if you work in a zoo. I get it. But also, why doesn't he have like a tranquilizer rifle as well that he would maybe want to use first, right? Right. Like he just comes out with a shotgun. Like from a purely economic point of view, and we know the zoo is in financial trouble, you wouldn't want to kill your animals because for a zoo, the animals are money, both their their income, but then also you paid a lot for them. They're an investment. Yeah, you so, wouldn't want to just kill one if you could avoid it. Right. I'm getting the feeling that we're supposed to figure out that Meacham basically hates animals and likes to torture and kill them. And that's why he's taking the opportunity to like use lethal force. It, like you said, it doesn't make a lot of sense because it would be better to trank it, get it back to the zoo and put it back in a yeah. tiger pen where it could generate income but yeah i don't know yeah so is he like the bad correctional officer kind of thing we're yeah i think that's what he's like, supposed to be is like, like the guy who torturing the prisoners and so this the zoo so it's animals instead yeah kind of. that's sort of the impression i get so then we see that the gate of the zoo has a sign that reads zoo closed to the public until further notice and then in a room with a tank so it's like a room that has a window into like an aquatic tank and you see beluga whales back there in the tank. People in suits tell Ambrose that due to the latest incident, the board has elected to withdraw all funding. And Ambrose is like, well, if that's your decision, I guess there's nothing I can say. And so the people in suits all file out of the room and Mulder comes in and she tells them that she's out of a job. They cut off all funding and the animals will be shipped to other zoos starting on Monday. And it couldn't have happened at a worse time. And Mulder asks if she means about Sophie or like the timing for Sophie. And Ambrose says like what she had going for her in the case to keep Sophie was that she had this position and she had a habitat for Sophie. So like that was her strongest part of her case to keep the animal. Yeah. So this is obviously like the executive suite or office or something like that with the, but this is one hell of a zoo. It's got like a beluga tank in Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and what we know about the zoo, I'm sure that beluga tank is not big enough for those whales either. I was like, okay, this is this is quite the zoo. Yeah. Most zoos don't have whales. Like aquariums no. have whales, but a lot of zoos don't have Sometimes, whales. although nowadays most aquariums don't keep like orcas and stuff because obviously it's really you can't do it in a humane way. I know the Maui Zoo did have beluga yeah, whales. I mean beluga whales are they had a, they're not much larger than a dolphin. Smaller. Yeah, they're basically yeah. and and they had a very large tank in Maui. So like and Maui's also I believe if this is if my memory is correct, Maui is the one that like does a lot of catch and release where they'll keep an animal for like a couple months or a year to like study it and then let it go back if they can. The zoo has obviously had some upgrades in the 1940s though. Because I'm not sure they would have had beluga tanks in the 1940s. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, they've had some, clearly not enough if they're still caging animals at night in these tiny cages, because they should just have habitats where they can live permanently and big habitats that, you know, allow them to roam and have space away from people and, you know, not be confined in like a tiny cage. Anyway, <laughs> like Kyle, I don't love the conditions at the zoo. I just don't think that the answer is to release them all into the street or into the wild and hope for the best. Definitely not into the street. We'll talk about that later. So Yeah, no, no doesn't work as we've seen. Doesn't work out. So Ambrose asked about the results of the tiger's autopsy and Scully had just finished the test. The tiger had also been pregnant and Ambrose is like, there's no way these animals could have gotten pregnant. And Mulder asked about artificial insemination. And Ambrose is like, it's a complex process. And I would have known someone was doing it. 
unless it was done somewhere else, Mulder points out. And she asks, like, where would it have been done? They live at the zoo. And Mulder's like, what do you know about alien abduction? (laughs) And Ambrose laughs. And then she realizes Mulder's serious. And she's like, you seriously think my animals are being beamed up to a spaceship? And Mulder's like, well, I don't actually know where they're being taken, but there's obviously a problem getting them back. They're being returned roughly two miles southwest of the zoo. And Ambrose asks why aliens would bother to impregnate zoo animals. Mulder doesn't know. Maybe they're making their own Noah's Ark. And Ambrose thinks it's ridiculous. And Mulder thinks that she should ask Sophie. He believes Sophie's pregnant and she's afraid that they're coming for her baby. Hmm. (laughs) I think one of my favorite things about the show is when Mulder tries to talk aliens with people who just are not expecting an FBI agent to talk about aliens. And they're just like, what the heck is happening? It's, it's always pretty great. So then we're at Sophie's cage and Ambrose signs and speaks to Sophie. And Sophie thinks that Mulder and his partner are going to hurt Ambrose. And so Ambrose tells her that Mulder and Scully are there to help her. And they want to know about her baby. And Sophie has a reaction to this. And Mulder asks Ambrose to ask her if she wants to leave the zoo. And she responds, light afraid. And so then Ambrose is like, what are you afraid of, Sophie? And Sophie says, Sophie signs, obviously. Sophie says, baby, go in flying light. And then Scully knocks. And she has finished up in the infirmary. But a sheriff deputy has come by to serve Ambrose papers. And she thinks it's about Sophie. And then Ambrose doesn't know what to do. But Mulder tells her that she can't leave Sophie here. Because, like, the aliens are going to come get her. But Ambrose <laughs> has nowhere else to take her. And the deputy comes in and serves Ambrose with a court order to release Sophie into protective custody. So we're back in the WAO office. And Kyle is typing. And Ambrose walks in. And he's like, what are you doing here? And she says that she wants help with Sophie. And she tells him that they've taken Sophie into protective custody. And Kyle says, like, just let her go, you know. And Ambrose says that they're putting her into an iron cage without bars or windows. It will kill her. And Kyle's like, well, she's been behind bars her whole life. Ambrose should just let her go and had her freedom. And maybe she'll get that freedom this way. And Ambrose was like, freedom to be killed by poachers, have her hands cut off as trophies. And Kyle says she'll be in a reserve. Ambrose begs him to help her find a place for Sophie because he knows people. But he's like, that's against everything I stand for. So Ambrose tells him that Sophie's pregnant. And at first he's like, I don't believe you. But then he's like, even if she is, so what? Is the baby going to live behind bars too? So he tells her like, Sophie is not your child. She belongs with the gorillas and he's not going to help her. And so then Ambrose leaves. Great. So then at the zoo, Meacham has a metal crate on a forklift and Scully walks in and hands Mulder a clip from a newspaper. And the clip shows Willa Ambrose and Kyle Lang as a young couple. And the article is actually about how they're bringing a rescue gorilla back to the U.S. Mm. And Ambrose walks in. I know. Maybe that's why she was asking him for help. So Ambrose walks in and the animal on the cage in the forklift starts having a fit. And we realize that it's Sophie and Willa tells her it'll be okay. So they haven't taken her into custody yet, but they're obviously in the process of doing that. And that night, Kyle pulls a truck up to the gate and he goes to Willa's office, but it's empty. And then he heads to a staff only entrance to like this warehouse where they have the forklift and he keeps calling for Willa. He's like, Willa, Willa. And then he comes upon the crate that we saw Sophie in earlier, but the crate's open. 
and then something invisible attacks him, and then a large metal crate falls on him. Ah, and then it's a commercial. Yep. Yep. Ooh, I'm guessing he must have just hopped the fence to get in there, like everybody else. Yeah, does. like everyone else. I mean, no. One... <laughs> I mean, at this point, you don't even have to buy tickets. You just climb the fence, and you're good. <laughs> like it's fine. Might have to pay seven dollars for a frozen lemonade, though. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Yep. So we see Ambrose, and she's picking up a teddy bear. And she tells Scully, it's basically happened the way it did with the tiger. She heard the animals going crazy, and then she went to check on them, and then she found Kyle. And Scully asks why he was at the zoo, and she doesn't know. And Scully says a witness saw her visiting Kyle's office the other day, and Ambrose confirms that's true. And so Scully asks why. And Ambrose says that she went to tell him that he'd won, and the zoo was being shut down. So Scully asks if she was hoping Kyle would help her take Sophie somewhere else. But Ambrose says that would be against everything Kyle believed in. But then Scully is like, but he did help you rescue Sophia originally, right? And Ambrose is kind of surprised that they know that. I mean, this is a paper. I don't yeah, know. it's public information. Yeah. And she's like, whatever connection we used to have is long gone. And so Scully shows her a note that Kyle left for her that says, Willa, let's talk. Kyle. But Ambrose denies knowing why he was there that night and then suggests that Scully ask Mulder about his theory on what happened because he thinks it was alien abductions. And so then he's like, Scully, let's go outside and talk for a moment. So, <laughs> yeah, I didn't tell you that I mentioned alien abductions to this lady, but no, I, need to, <laughs> I need to talk about I it. I mean, <laughs> she should just expect that he's mentioning aliens to at least 50% of the people they talk to yeah. at this point. Yeah, but Scully thinks that Mulder probably believes Ambrose because after all, this incident is just like the rest of them and he has been pushing his alien abduction angle. But Mulder thinks that Willa's reactions are all wrong. He thinks she knows where Sophie is and she'd do anything to protect her, even kill Kyle. So he tells Scully to examine Kyle's body and Mulder is going to go to the warehouse to look for some evidence. Yeah. So despite thinking that it's aliens, Mulder now thinks Ambrose might be involved in Kyle's death, which yes, is good that aliens don't blind him to other possibilities. No, I mean, it's not mutually exclusive. Aliens could be abducting animals and right. then she could and have she still, still could. Yeah. yeah. So in the warehouse, Mulder notices a lock on Sophie's crate is undone and the door is open. He hears something and he sees Meacham closing the garage door to the warehouse and leaving. And Meacham pulls the zoo's van up to a different loading dock. So he is driven away and now he's like at a different building. And with his gun out, he kind of looks around and we see Mulder has followed him and he watches him go inside this building. Meanwhile, Ambrose is packing her things, including a photo of herself and Sophie. And Scully comes in and is like, looks like you're in a hurry. And Ambrose is like, well, not much else to hang around for now. And Scully tells her she's done an autopsy on Kyle. He was hit with a cattle prod and there's going to be an investigation. And she's actually there to arrest Ambrose. And Ambrose actually just straight up confesses. She says it was an accident. Kyle surprised Ed. He wasn't supposed to be there. And then Scully realizes she's like, Meacham took Sophie. And Ambrose says, yes. And Scully asks where she is. And Ambrose says, Meacham has her somewhere on the road to Boise. Yeah. So now Boise is far away. Right. But earlier it was like across town. Okay. Yeah. Good job. Good job. <laughs> so in that building... On the way to Boise, Mulder jumps out in front of Meacham and he's got his gun on him. And he tells Meacham to put his gun down and they'll talk. So they both got guns. Meacham puts his down. He says he didn't kill Kyle. He was only doing what Ambrose paid him to do. And 
Mulder asks him where Sophie is, and he says down the hall. But Mulder wants him to show him, take him there. So Mulder follows Meacham, and he has his gun on him the whole time to the door. And there's noise behind it, and Mulder asks what she's doing. And Meacham says she's throwing herself against the door and acting crazy. And we can see, like, there's it's big, like, metal doors. They have, like, the like the safety glass with, like, the wires in it, like, for a little, you know, the view inside. And, like, that glass is, like, all shattered. And then we can just hear, like, crum, crum, like, the girl just smashing against the door. Mm-hmm. And Mulder's like, she's scared. And he's like, she's going to kill herself. And Mulder says, well, then you have to save her. And so he hands Meacham the tranquilizer gun that apparently he brought with him and says, I'll be right behind you. So they're just going to open the door and this raging gorilla. <laughs> but OK, so it's they, a great plan. Don't argue. <laughs> yeah. But apparently <laughs> Sophie was like, oh, they're coming in. So she like went and hid in the shadows because they go in and they can't see her anywhere. And then something lunges at them. Well, Sophie lunges at them and knocks Mulder over. And Meacham's like, oh, hell no. And like runs out and closes the door, locking Mulder in. And Mulder's like, Meacham, like, what are you doing? <laughs> so Mulder's like, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. She like runs over and hits him and then backs off. And then like Mulder kind of like, <sighs> and then she signs something to Mulder. Again, I don't know if it's real sign language or not, but she signs something to him. And then this bright light fills the room. And then Scully comes in the room and Mulder's laying on the ground. Yeah, she actually has to burst the door in. It was either stuck or, I don't know, she like rips it open really hard. And she finds Mulder on the floor. And Scully like bends down next to him and touches his head. And he like winces, but he wakes up. And she explains that they found Meacham on a highway heading towards Boise and arrested him. That's how they knew where Mulder was. Because apparently he admitted that he had left Mulder in this building. And Mulder says they took Sophie and asks where Ambrose is. And Scully says she's outside and Mulder needs to talk to her. So he like gets up and runs outside. Yeah. So Mulder's obviously been in there for a while. It wasn't like yeah. bright light and then Scully shows up. Yeah. It was bright light and then yeah. long period. Meacham's of like waiting. down the road and then they had to come yeah. and find him. And he's got like a bloody wound on his head. From- yeah. So he was probably knocked out. Yeah. So Mulder finds Ambrose outside and she asks what Meacham did to Sophie and he says it wasn't Meacham and Sophie told him something. And so he repeats the sign that Sophie made and Ambrose is like, that doesn't make any sense. It means man save man. And over the police radio, they hear a report of a large animal just off the interstate and Mulder's like, that's her. So Ambrose is like, she's heading towards the zoo. So she and Mulder hop in the police car and I guess Scully hops in another and they like race towards the place the animal was spotted mm-hmm. and so they arrive and there's lights flashing everywhere and there's like a car accident on the scene like there's a car with like a smashed windshield and kind of dented in the front and kind of like skewed off the side of the road and ambrose asks where she is and an officer directs her to the field she got hit by a car and then went off into the field so Mulder and scully chase after ambrose because ambrose is already headed off there and sophie is lying in the trees and there's like an officer standing by and Ambrose sobs and bends down to her knees and Sophie's dead. There. She's got like a bloody mouth and stuff. So, Aww. yep. And then as Mulder and Scully drive down the highway, we get a voiceover from Mulder this time. And he tells us that Willa Ambrose and Ed Meacham have been charged with manslaughter for the death of Kyle Lang. 
but the motives of the silent visitors who have set these events in motion still remain unclear. Could this be a judgment on the rate of extinction that's risen 1,000 times in the past century? An act of alien conservation of animals? And if so, might it follow their own fate and their existence might depend on an extraterrestrial race? Or will man save man? And it's over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Yep. So that was that episode. <laughs> that was that episode. Uh, the title, Fearful Symmetry, comes from the William Blake poem, The Tiger. And it's like, the line is, Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? And that's that's where they got the title. If anyone's curious. Mm-hmm. And apparently this episode was also very difficult to film, mostly because of all the animal wrangling, which was not easy. And it also required a lot of last minute reshoots and rewrites to make it work or <laughs> make it work in the way that they did. Yeah, because apparently they had to shoot a lot of it in, what's the terminology? I forget. Um, second crew, something like that. Second unit. They do a lot of second unit shooting because they couldn't have a lot of the main cast like on set with the animals. Right. So, yeah. So, in case really you didn't fun. know, Sophie was a dude in a suit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the elephant, they actually had trouble getting her across the border for filming as well from the Canadian yeah. border. So, lots of lots of little issues. But apparently, the elephant was delight once it got across the border, and mm-hmm. they were afraid that it would have trouble going to the truck. But apparently, the elephant like loved the truck, and they actually had trouble keeping the elephant away from the <laughs> truck because it really liked the truck and wanted to that's hang out with cute. the truck. So Aww. that's why I was like, they had a little like a little kiss there in that one scene because they were like, oh, so yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, I mean, this episode is not really anti-zoo. It's anti-animal abuse and anti-this kind of zoo where animals are kept in tiny cages and whatever. But, you know, I am a huge advocate for the Monterey Bay Aquarium and the Seattle Aquarium. And they do amazing rescue work. And a lot of zoos and aquariums really do a lot to both rescue, rehabilitate, and research these things and also educate the public. So I think they're pretty much a net win. I mean, obviously, things like private zoos like you would see on Tiger King are incredibly harmful and awful. And I'm not pro like theme parks. Like I don't think SeaWorld is a good idea. Which is probably something you're more likely to find in Idaho than an actual zoo. Right. I, I mean, and so. I grew up going to Marine World and that was before they had rides that were built later. And the rides actually did a lot of damage to the animals, which stressed them out. And obviously it, we didn't know it at the time, but keeping orcas in a tank like that is not a good thing. Shouldn't do it. But, you know, I mean, I think in general, those, you know, real zoos and aquariums are great. Theme parks, private zoos, not so much. So, you know, I have a question. I'm just because I'm not smart, but how did the rides, like the animals weren't on the rides. How did the rides make it worse for so, the animals? Wh- so I grew up going to Marine World a lot because I think it was just a cheap place to take your kids or whatever. But they started constructing roller coasters. And what it is, it's like the vibrations and the Okay, noise. so it's the sonics. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's Like the with the whole thing there's... with like submarines and boats with whales. Yeah. Like okay, gotcha. Okay. It can be really stressful for the animals, not just the aquatic animals, but okay. like... I was thinking like probably like noise or like pollution or something. Yeah, it's sure. it's okay, not gotcha. so much okay. that. It's just the, you know, because you can have, you know, and obviously the orca tanks weren't big enough, but, you know, so I kind of feel okay. bad for all the time I spent there. But I just know, wanted hey. to clarify that because I'm like. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, no, it was the, the noise and putting stuff. Putting the dolphins on the roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's because they strap in the dolphins and make them test yeah. all the rides. Make, a, make them jump through the loop to loop as you go through it. For, yeah, uh, and they yeah. they don't like roller coasters, so they get really angry and they demand okay. higher fish wages. Yeah, yeah, That's and also like lighting the loop to loop on fire for them to jump through it, like freaks yeah. the people out too when you're going through yeah. the fire. But yeah, you know, not fun. And I just want to say, I know I mentioned this before, but one of my favorite books of all time is Last Chance to See by Douglas Adams and Mark Carwadine. And it was later turned into a BBC series starring Stephen Fry because Douglas Adams passed away. And Mark Carwadine's also in that. And the book is about Douglas and Mark traveling the world to see these animals that are nearly extinct. Like there's maybe three or four left. In one case, I think there's two Yangtze River dolphins and they're functionally extinct because they're either both female or male, so they can't mate. And they meet the people who are trying to rehabilitate those animals and bring back their populations. And then in the TV series, they go back to a lot of the same places. And you can see that the rehabilitation is it's been like 20 years. And some of those populations are now thriving. So it's just really cool like to read the book and then to see like, look what's happened. Actually, the Kakapo parrot is doing really well now. And so like, that's kind of inspiring. I really like both. Yeah. So, is that, so that's a nonfiction book then? It's nonfiction. It's they really okay. travel around the world. They see all okay. these animals. They talk to the people who are doing the rescue work. And then, and it's really funny because it's Douglas Adams. And then the TV series is a documentary where they go back to a lot of these places and they meet the people who've done the rescue work and they see how the populations are doing. And a lot of them have doing really well. And so it's really cool. I mean, it's good that, things are turning around i mean it's it is it sucks it, it, it's it's not great because they're, they're having to be turned around because we screwed things up in the first oh, place yeah, but for sure 100 yeah. but it is it is good to see so anyway that's one of my favorite things on the planet so i just always okay. recommend it if i can this okay yeah i just want to clarify that it was non-fiction it is non-fiction because yeah. because douglas adam i'm thinking yeah he's he's known for okay. hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy yeah. and dirk gently but yeah, yeah it's okay. one of his nonfiction things. He also wrote a lot of really funny nonfiction essays. He was a funny guy. Okay. So regarding the episode. Yeah, I guess we should so talk I, about the actual episode at some yeah, point. I have I have just a couple questions. There are actually one giant question. It's just multi-parts of the question. Mm -hmm. I think so, I share your questions. So. Yeah. <laughs> so if the aliens are conserving the animals, like I assume they were just like taking DNA at first. Right. But now it sounds like like so. Are they the ones impregnating the animals and then coming back to get the gestated embryos? Because if so, that kind of makes no sense. And if they're not the ones impregnating them, then who is impregnating them? So for that question, what I got from the episode is, yes, they are the ones impregnating them. Okay. I agree. Doesn't make a lot of sense. And the other thing that doesn't make sense with that is that apparently they're able to impregnate the animals and return them back to their cage or yeah. habitat without mm -hmm. any problem because they don't seem to have an issue doing that. It's only after they take them to like yank the baby out that they're putting them back several miles away and their animals are loose, which seems like yeah. bad alien technology if you can't pinpoint it exactly. Yeah, that like... was well, because that was my next question. If they're not the ones impregnating them, just like seriously, like why can't aliens just put animals back after they, you know, abduct them instead of just dropping them off in the middle of the road? Because that's not like awesome conservation. It's like, here, go in the road and you'll get killed, but it's okay. I guess now they've got the babies, so they don't care. 
But still, you'd think that they would put them back where they got them. It doesn't make a lot of sense not yeah. to if you can. And if they and can't, if you can't, how are they doing it the first time? You're right. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so no. there's that. And then why are they invisible when they come back at first? <laughs> and, then it, and then it just kind of wears off, apparently. And Mulder does, like, mention something about, like, being out of phase with time or something. And that's supposed to explain yeah. it. But it's still, I don't, I don't get it, though. I don't, I'm not smart enough. I guess I could understand them all coming back angry because they do come back angry. Right. But yeah. And obviously wears off because like Ganesha, she was, you know, give that little truck a kiss and then like just went down the road, but then apparently wore herself out and died. Yeah, it's like when you so, take your cats to the vet and they're mad at you for a few hours. Yeah. It's exactly the same. Yeah. Um I will say now knowing what's going on, the whole attack in the beginning where everything's invisible, that doesn't look anything like an elephant attacking. Cause it's like unless it's like just picking things up and throwing them randomly with its trunk as it's going by, because like like the work things are just going like there's one to the left, one to the right, one to the left, one to the right, one to the left, as, it, as it's like barreling down on the workers. It's kind of weird. And then like, why would the window just shatter? Like, because the elephant's walking down the street. Because yeah, it's shaking the ground and stuff. I, <laughs> no. yeah. I don't know. There's just a lot of weirdness. No. And like. I get what they were trying to do. And yeah, the message is incredibly heavy handed and that's, that's fine. Humans do a lot of damage. We should be better to the planet. We should be better to animals. Yes, I agree. I'm not, I don't disagree. I just, <laughs> I mean, I don't mind. I don't even mind the idea of like aliens abducting animals to like take samples or do work. That makes sense to me. I mean, it's like cow mutilations or like, abducting humans why wouldn't you want to study other life on the planet we're not the only life here and here's a zoo with all this different life you can just pick up and take away it's the whole <laughs> dropping it back randomly and then they're invisible that part just i don't it doesn't really work for me because it doesn't make a lot of sense but yeah i don't know it is the whole is. like alien abduction thing so in this one like i guess they're impregnating the animals and then coming back again, that doesn't really make sense. Like, why wouldn't you just keep the animal? Why would you yeah, put it back? Keep the animal or get DNA and clone it or whatever yeah. with your alien technology. I don't know. And then, what are you using? You're abducting apparently all female animals. So, where are you getting this stuff to impregnate them? Like, what are you impregnating them with? Yeah, that's a good question, too. Maybe they're abducting male animals from another area and getting, I guess getting material i just never understood the whole like cattle mutilation that was one thing that always got me was the whole cattle mutilation thing was like you're coming from across the universe and all this high tech and you don't understand how cows work really? right like okay um just take a cow you probably figure it out you don't need to like be taking like parts of cows for like years and years and years <laughs> okay like I, I don't know but yeah. This time we're taking the the liver and, and the lips. Yeah, we're we're taking all the parts that usually like you know carnivores take. Yeah, the, the soft stuff that sticks out. So, but and decays fast. But that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Lips and teats and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, okay. I don't know. Doesn't make a lot of sense, especially if you can like shape shift and like travel across the country and well that's what i was gonna say is like we kind of talked about in endgame and colony how 
they sort of like crystallize their alien mythology but like Mm -hmm. are these the same aliens or are these different aliens because i don't know why those aliens would be kidnapping animals but i could see different aliens coming and doing it yeah so i don't know if it's supposed to be or if it's because it's a different writer it's just supposed to maybe just one group of aliens who are hanging out for a while and they're gonna move on maybe they do this at a lot of planets yeah this seems much more like a season one episode than a season especially after calling it endgame right doesn't seem like it fits into the it would have to be like different aliens or something because it doesn't seem like something yeah. they I mean it's do. not it's not a myth arc episode, even though it right. is possibly aliens. We are assuming aliens. We don't know. Could yeah, be for all we know it's a government project where they have secret Yeah. I don't know. Secret zoo. Secret animal transporters. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's just Star Trek from the future, but they wouldn't return them. So that wouldn't work. Yeah. Well maybe there's like transporter glitches. And yeah. that's why they're showing up in weird places too. It's one of those ones where like they're actually getting they don't realize they're coming back. There it's the thing where they're getting the duplicates. And so like Star Trek thinks they just have an elephant, but then like it glitches and then it, there's a copy of the elephant there too. I mean, they're never gonna meet because like our copy dies, but then the other elephant is like living happily on the Enterprise or yeah. whatever well, ship. Back on Earth. Be. They probably wouldn't leave it on the Enterprise for long. No. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Have a holodeck anyway. all set up. Well, the Enterprise didn't have a holodeck, at least not in the original series. Yeah, in TNG they do. Yeah, they could have. A and when they rescue the whales, that's a Klingon ship. That's not even the Enterprise. Oh, okay. That's a Klingon ship because they're in a Klingon ship coming back from battle, and then they get this weird signal, and they have to travel back in time. And then they need a nuclear sub to fix the Klingon ship. Yeah, exactly. Because Klingons vessels. have inferior technology. They're still using nuclear reactors <laughs> to power their ships instead of... But it gives us some amazing scenes with Uhura and Chekhov, yeah. so that's all that matters. It's great. What are the, what are the, what are the crystals? The lithium crystals in Star Trek. Yeah. Kyber crystals is lightsabers. That's yeah. Star Trek, yeah. Or Star yeah. Wars, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Ooh, man, I almost is... got myself in trouble with people listening. And mixing up the Star Wars and the Star Treks. Ooh, man. Yeah, you gotta be careful. Didn't get canceled. <laughs> so I guess we need to rate these or this okay. this episode. We need to rate it. Okay. Um I mean it's not my favorite. It's not it, it's fine. I guess like it's I mean it doesn't make a lot of sense but it's 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 kind of a bummer because like all these animals die and like I know the real animals are fine but it's still kind of depressing like I don't know yeah no animals live it's kind of a bummer at least Um, none that get abducted yeah I think I'm gonna go with a four and it's only getting that many points because of the Mulder and Scully banter and the lone gunman zooming in on like 90 zoom tech. I think those two scenes are pretty great. Otherwise, eh, could leave it. Okay. Well, looking back at older episodes, I think I was going to go a little bit lower, but I'm not. I'm actually going to go with a three three okay yeah it's not too far off from you but i was thinking a two but then going back and looking at i actually went back and looked at first season just because this feels more like a first season episode so i was looking at like what i rated like you know like shadows and 
Jersey Devil and that kind of stuff and see where that fell. And so I think this goes for a three. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. It's funny because I was I was just curious what other people thought of it because it is kind of a weird one-off episode and it doesn't really, you know, it's it doesn't move the story arc forward really. It's just kind of a monster of the week thing. And like a lot of people pretty much said the same thing, like, eh, it's okay you know whatever and then there was this one review that was like 10 stars everyone should go vegan and I was like, that's, okay that's that's not what the episode says at all but okay sure i just thought that was really yeah. funny because i'm like all right whatever this is another one of those episodes <laughs> and like the hand of was the same type of episode where like the events play out whether Mulder and scully would have been there or not right like, they yeah, really just... didn't have it like they were just kind of there like mm-hmm. it wasn't like you know they interacted and changed anything in the episode they just happened to witness everything right whereas like but that episode was really good i mean you gave it a five i gave it a seven but like this one's just no i think it's just because the story doesn't make much sense yeah i think it's because it doesn't make a lot of sense plus like the animal death is a bummer and seeing animals in small cages is a bummer and so it's just kind of a bummer it's like oh uh. yeah Oh, well. Yeah. Well, next week we will talk about the calm. I don't the think calm. I'm saying that. Is it, what is it? The calm. The calm. The calm. Yeah. It's like, it's like there's a hint of an R when you say it, like der, but not really. But it's okay. the calm. I mean, I'm not going to get that correct it's, ever. But it's that's it's okay. Norwegian. So. Yes, it is. Oh, and if you watch the episode, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, when you translate it, you get a Norwegian translation or a Danish translation. They're really close, but I think the Norwegian is actually more accurate for that episode. So, to calm. What, what does it mean? It means I dead calm. Oh, dead calm. So okay. it's like so it's like with the water, like you know. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, like yeah. there. That's why I was saying when we talked about it's like there's a because mo- there's a movie called Dead Calm. And so this is basically the same title, except this one is Norwegian. So yeah, they put it in Norwegian. And I think they came out about the same time too, which I don't know might be why this one is Norwegian. Who knows? So yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk about that next week. Next week. I want to rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Hashtag really just a bedroom closet. Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. You can find us at IWantToRewatch.com or wherever podcasts are found. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like The X-Files, we'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch Season 2 of The X-Files episode 19 to come and try to figure out if the the truth truth is still out there the truth is what we make of it
but it was filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia. And its original air date was Friday, February 24th, 1994. 95. Oh. <laughs> it's right. We're in 95 now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Time is just flying. It is. Had a viewership of 16.5 million in the United States, down 1 million from last week. Might actually keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what year it is now. Why would I know what year it is in the 90s? Come on. So we are at, oh man, I got to do this now. Okay. All right, Nick, you can do it. You can do it. You know, this makes absolutely no fucking sense. Okay. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> All right. 